You're listening to an exclusive podcast series brought to you by Wired for Wonder, a proud innovation by Combank and The Moment HQ. Prepare yourself as we take you on an eye-opening journey to ignite your curiosity, foster wonderment, and send inspiration bustling through your veins. Hello and welcome to the Wired for Wonder and The Moment HQ podcast series. I'm your host, Monica Cade. Today we're chatting to JP Sears, who is an emotional healing coach, international teacher, event speaker, world traveler, and curious student of life. His work empowers people to live more meaningful lives. He's very active on his YouTube channel, Awaken with JP, where he encourages healing and growth through his entertaining, informative, and humorous inspiring videos, including his ultra spiritual comedy series, which I'm sure many of you have seen. But most importantly, he has red hair, blue eyes, a caring heart, and a warped sense of humor. So let's welcome him. JP, hello, welcome. Hey, Monica, thank you for having me on, and thank you for making this uh, J.P. Sears guy sound so awesome. I mean, I I love how you didn't share a lot of uh, the bad parts of me, so thank you for your (laughs) warped, delusional, one-sided view of me. But I'm so happy to be talking to you, sister. Pleasure. We'll get into the nitty-gritty now, shall we? (laughs) Nitty-gritty. Now I'm... I think I've got to go now. (laughs) So tell me, uh, let's go back and tell me, what did you want to be when you were growing up as a kid? Yeah, definitely a dolphin, but that plan (laughs) fell through when I realized I'm a little more human. You know, as a... Aside from uh, that fantasy... (laughs) As a kid, I always wanted to be a pro athlete, you know, uh, being an American football player, probably a, you know, the, the biggest thing on my mind as a kid of like what, what I wanted to do uh, when I was growing up. Like it was all about professional sports. I could never imagine myself working in a quote unquote real job. Mm-hmm. And while the professional sports thing didn't work out, I am grateful to say I've also never had a real job. Oh, awesome. So then how did you find your way towards life coaching if you've not had a quote unquote real job? Yeah, well, the the work I do, and I, I will so uh, humbly in a very arrogant kind of way say I do work very hard. And my work feels so purposeful and meaningful to me that it, it just doesn't feel like work certainly doesn't feel like any kind of a a job. It's more like it's me living my life. So how I got into life coaching and specifically the emotional healing realm within the life coaching umbrella is basically that's what I needed the most in my life. I was in denial of it. So I was projecting the need on uh, need for it onto other people, got really passionate about helping other people heal and step more into their personal power. And then very quickly, as I was endeavoring in that journey, I discovered, yep, I really need what I'm wanting to give to other people. So, you know, my my studies and my uh, work uh, became very synchronous with my own healing work and personal empowerment work. Mm. It's interesting because in Australia, and I'm not sure about America, but there is a rise of life coaches and that industry is growing very much so. And I think I think there is some very credible life coaches out there. And I think, you know, there's also maybe some not so credible. So how do people really like navigate their way through that? Yeah, well, the fact that it's a confusing jungle, I think, is a reality. 
and I, I don't know that I have a perfect recipe for uh, sharing with people. How do you navigate? Find like if you're needing some kind of life coaching, find like uh, the right one for you versus one who has the facade that mm. looks like the right one for you. So, you know, uh, the old saying, word of mouth is always important. If you know someone who's worked with someone, then there's a real good chance that your friend wouldn't recommend someone to you who's unintegrous. And then I think the other thing is uh, paying attention to the feeling in your gut, your heart, when you're interviewing a potential coach or, you know, looking at their, you know, their profile. You know, in the U.S., there are so many, especially on Facebook, so (laughs) many life coaches essentially doing Facebook marketing to advertise their Facebook marketing courses. Then you click on their fan page, they have like 123 fans, and they're talking about this multi-million dollar Facebook enterprise they have. (laughs) So, you know, I think we, the, the, some are easy to pick out. We see a video of them, you know, they're, they're in their early 20s in front of a mansion that isn't theirs, but they're pretending to be theirs. It's like, okay, we can sort those ones out pretty easily. And there's enough of them going on in the U.S., at least on the online advertising that we see up here, that I definitely want to throw up in my mouth. <laughs> but I think bottom line is we have to pay attention to our hearts and our guts. And, of course, I don't think we ever know for sure. And I think the virtue of changing our mind is something that we have an inherent fear of. Mm-hmm. Like we're afraid that, oh, my, I can't change my mind. I've committed to this coach or this route uh, because I'll appear inconsistent. And I'd say, well, you know, to grow and evolve, we by definition, we have to change. So I think worst case scenario, we find a coach who we think is right for us. They turn out not to be right. Uh, hitting the eject button as soon as possible, I think, is uh, very important to do ourselves the best service because there is so much benefit that can be garnered from learning about someone else's life wisdom mm. and them hopefully not telling us what to do in our life, but guiding us and helping us get deeper in touch with our own inner wisdom. So there's so much benefit that, uh, you know, I use coaches myself. And of course, so important to be aware there's a shadow side to the unregulated life coaching industry. Yeah, exactly. And I think that what you've just said nails it. You know, it's just about being aware and then trusting your own gut instinct. Kind of a bit like dating, you know, you wouldn't continue dating someone that you wouldn't, you didn't connect with. So it's kind of like life coaching. I, my experience is I don't date people that I don't feel a connection with for more than four years. <laughs> After that, it's like, okay. No. Yeah, that's a, that's a good rule to live by. <laughs> yeah, and I wish I, I wish I was completely joking, but there's at least a half-truth in that. <laughs> All right. Tell me about this explosion of your business. So, you know, you've been coaching for 15 years. It's obviously impacted you and I think think that the people who follow you and the way that the media portrays things, we don't always get to see what life is really like behind the scenes when that takes place. So can you just share some of the realities of that? Yeah, you know, it's a hard life. I I lay on a bed of gold bricks um, <laughs> and that's hard. So it's not a very soft bed to lay on. Uh, <laughs> That'd be fun. Uh, so, yeah, life behind it, um, you know, first off, I would say that 
yeah, my experience is I feel very blessed. There has been an explosion in my business the past two years or so. Mm. So grateful for that. And I think it's also so important to point out that my, my, it's not what I've done just in the past two years that's caused the explosion, but the previous 13 years before that was all very, very, very instrumental to give me the depth perspective, uh, the sharpening of my skills, uh, all of that stuff to allow my business to expand the way it is. And I do think it's a disservice to pretend to pe- pretend in front of people like, yep, past two years, here's what I did. Like I started this video series and that's what's made me explode because I think that creates an unrealistic expectation for people to then shame themselves against if they don't have the same kind of growth in two years. Mm. So it's kind of like the, the fruit tree has been growing for 13 years. And then the past two years, it's bared uh, fruit that is getting, you know, a lot of people's attention, so anyway, with that said, life behind the scenes, I'm, I'm working 24-7 almost. I, I sleep, <laughs> but I love my work. I'm very passionate about it, probably a little bit out of balance, probably workaholism. But I'm, you know, doing lots of uh, still doing lots of client sessions, you know, less than I used to because I've got other projects going, um, making videos, scripting videos, I'm doing um working with a lot of companies on sponsorship deals. I've written a book based on the character of my, uh, videos that'll be coming out in, in March. Mm-hmm. Uh, got some, uh, a TV production company that I've partnered with. So we'll be doing something to develop for TV, doing lots of speaking and performing at events. So there, there's honestly a lot, lot going on behind the scenes. Uh, and it's, a massive amount of hard work and that hard work is very enjoyable work. It just takes a lot of focus and dedication to stay committed to. Mm. In your time, like in your 15 years, say how many moments, well, okay, let's not ask that question that way. (laughs) We can't quantify that, but have you had those moments where you just wanted to quit? Yeah, I have. Uh, And, you know, thankfully I didn't quit, but absolutely where I'd be defeated, whether it's, you know, seven years ago or five years ago, I'm running a a retreat and only eight people sign up and I'm running the thing and essentially making zero money on it. And man, I thought I did all the right things to get this to be a well-attended event. And what's the use? And my last event was more. So am I going downhill? And, you know, and then, you know, in the beginning of doing YouTube videos, you know, the like, okay, this video's got nine views. Mm -hmm. So what's the use of doing this if only nine people are going to see it? So, and honestly, that can be a, a loud, intimidating voice uh, going on in my head. Mm-hmm. And and I'm also grateful that there's a, kind of like a north star in my sky. I think that, you know, my heart kind of aligns with what's my direction and stay aligned with it. And annoying, obnoxious voices can be there along the way. It's just luckily that there's a, a louder voice that has a little bit more calibration with you know, my North star happening at the same time. Yeah. Fantastic. And you touched on your YouTube series. So initially you started out and you were doing more serious life coaching videos and then you did the ultra spiritual comedy series. So 
how did that idea come to you? It's a great, yeah, great question. I don't know exactly how the idea came to me other than the idea came to me mm. and I paid attention to it. Um, you know, I, honestly, the idea, it's my perspective, you know, the ultra spiritual comedy series, largely it's my point of view about the spiritual world, health world, self growth world. And, and so the, the series is largely my perspective spoken through the language of humor. Mm -hmm. So I think the idea was essentially do what I'm doing where I'm sharing my perspective on videos. It's just now let's try it through the language of humor. Mm. And, and, you know, I keep going, I still do the sincere, straightforward videos, but once I gave it a, a shot with the first one called how to be ultra spiritual at the time, I thought it was going to be a one-time video yeah. and, and it was for, I don't know, a couple weeks afterwards. And then I just woke up one morning. I'm like, I can actually do that again. Yeah. Like there, I can use the same sort of mindset perspective through the language of satirical humor, I can use that with so many other topics and subsets within the spiritual realm and self-growth realm, uh, health realm. So, you know, after I experimented with a few other videos, I, you know, like the idea, it's like it solidified inside of me. Like this is deep rooted. Mm. It's not just a, do this a one-off idea it's like wow this idea has deep roots it just took me a while to realize it and it's very very I think creatively and almost in a soulful kind of way deeply quenching to my thirst mm. and I'm sure to the list uh, not the listeners the viewers as well and I think what's important to note, and you touched on it before is, you know, you script these things and you put a lot of effort into it and I think that also then uh, takes it to another level. You know, it's not just something that you throw together in a few minutes and whether you did or not, I guess it doesn't matter, but you know, you are, you are touching the world through human. I think by doing so, like when you catch someone in that space, you know, you open them up. And so the messages kind of go through. Yeah, I think so. I think the language of humor, first off, it's a universal language, mm. no matter what culture you are, you're in or what linguistic language you speak, whether it's Chinese, English, Spanish, French, whatever, we all have, we all know what it means when we're laughing. Mm -hmm. Like there's so much clear communication. And then it's also a language that is very, very non-threatening, feels very safe. So I think in normal communication, you know, if I have a perspective and I'm going to tell you what I think is true, it's very natural to have a defense come up. Like we don't want someone to tell us what our truth is. Mm -hmm. So it's a psychological defense mechanism of resistance. But when we can share that same perspective through humor, it's like the perspective goes in, it's embedded within the humor, just like if I'm going to give my dog a pill, I'll wrap the pill in cheese. <laughs> it's embedded in cheese, something pleasant. Uh, otherwise, he'd spit it out. So the perspective can go in because our minds and our uh, psyches don't create these defense mechanisms because we don't feel threatened. Mm -hmm. Because quite honestly, you know, we're we're not really threatened because it's a language of playfulness, not seriousness. Yeah. In my in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I feel the same. And have you always been quite humorous? At all your life, you know, because I feel like some kids 
uh, quite funny growing up or is this like your humor that you developed over the years growing up? Well, depends on who you ask. I'm biased <laughs> enough to say, well, of course, Monica, I, I'm funny. I always have been, some people would disagree. My perspective is I have had a sense of humor my whole life. Um, and it's, it's something that it's develop, developed, it's been refined. And I think why I use humor is a fair bit different than when I was a child. I think as a child, I would use it to mostly escape pain, escape a sense of insignificance by making people laugh so I can feel temporarily significant. Um, sometimes the humor would be used to belittle people, uh, even if it's in a passive aggressive way where everybody's laughing, even that person, but there's, um, uh, hurtfulness there. Mm -hmm. So now hopefully the humor, uh, at least what I hope so is, uh, it's used in a way that helps me connect to me, not escape myself, mm. and hopefully offers other people an opportunity to do that as well, and and hopefully ultimately has the energy of levity to it, not gravity, but helping people rather than uh, hurting people. And and I'm also uh, as a kid, I was influenced by my dad and uncles. They had wonderful senses of humor. Yeah. Oh, cool. Now, I've got some signature questions for you to finish off with. Uh-oh, I'm, I'm already afraid I'm going to get these wrong. Wow. Do you want to go now? <laughs> Should we wrap it up? <laughs> okay, serious questions now. Mm -hmm. What would you like to attempt in your, like, if you weren't in the career that you're in now, what would you like to attempt? Oh, I love that question. Uh, music. I am the most unmusical person that I know. <laughs> but I, uh, but I'm, I feel so much inspiration from music, and I love that I can get inspiration. But yeah, I would love to attempt a career in music if I weren't able to do what I do now. Awesome. Would you be like a, a singer, or would you want to be play an instrument? I would like to pl both play the guitar and sing. Fantastic. So I'd have a lot of work to do because I'm starting, <laughs> not even just starting at scratch, I'm starting probably at a deficit. I probably have like <laughs> negative music talent. Awesome. I love that answer. All right. <clears throat> what do you believe is your greatest asset? That's a, uh, I think my perspective, mm -hmm. I, I, for me, it seems to work really well, uh, to see things in a way that's typically very different than the way other people see them. Mm -hmm. Uh, and to even have perspectives about my own perspectives so that I can see my own perspectives in a very different way than the way another part of me sees them. Mm -hmm. So I think that really serves me. Uh, it helps me communicate to the world and, uh, you know, shine the light on some unseen, unseen realms uh, that are there that uh, people have the opportunity to help themselves with if they can see what's happening. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And tell me what moves you. Hmm. You know, my dog is the first thing that comes to my mind. Yeah. I'm going to ask that. And, you know, he is, you know, he he is a godsend to me, and I think there's a reason why dog is God spelled forward. Mm. Uh, 
you know, anytime he's in pain or sick, I mean, my heart just like nothing else in life matters to me. I don't care how significant the project seems to me yesterday. If my dog's ill today or has a hurt back, which he's had some back issues, then like I'm completely devoted to him. And I mean, there's many other uh, things that he does, but he is a, a beautiful uh, force of influence for me in my heart. Oh, what's his name? His name is Zephyr. Zephyr, cool name. Yeah. And what type yeah, of I dog is he? He's a, a dachshund, so a little wiener dog. And just about two weeks ago, we celebrated his 12th birthday. Woohoo! Go, Zephyr. <laughs> it was a good day for Zephyr. <laughs> Awesome. And our final question, tell me what's the best piece of wisdom that you've been passed down? Yeah, I think the idea of aim to be yourself and not apologize for it, not aiming to be who you think you are or who you want to be, but aim for something far more profound, which is who you are and don't apologize for it. There's a reason why there's only one of you uh, on this planet. It's because you are supposed to be you, not someone else. Um, so for me, that that's that advice feels so good to me. Mm. And that's an excellent note to finish on, I think. Everyone can take that away and tuck it in their pocket. Thank you so much for chatting with us today. It was a real pleasure. Oh, you're welcome, Monica. It was a pleasure for me, too. <laughs> awesome. Thanks.